I did have D and D on. I just opened up. I opened up my phone. I actually forgot why I unlocked my phone. This is the other thing that happens to me: is I pulled my phone out and I unlocked it to do something. But I saw I had six text messages about scheduling a car drop off for repair, and I'm like, uh, and that took all my brain processing, and now I have no idea why I pulled my phone out, and that happens to me derailed several times a day. Like that's probably that that's a weird thing. It's like that that uh, see this is why this is why I love the OnePlus phones with the switch, the hardware switch. You just flick the switch down, and you do mm-hmm. not disturb. Yeah, that's har- it. Job done. I I think Apple's probably going to drop that from the iPhone, and I think that's the best thing about the oh. iPhone too. Is they've always had that that physical switch. My bad was, and this is what you really got to you really got to guard against is I saw the unread badge on messages, which there's only a couple of there's only a couple of people that actually send me text messages, mm-hmm. and I it, when I and it went right into the message thread, and I saw the whole thing. I'm like, oh, it's too late now. now I marked invested. it as read, yeah. and I won't go back, and it was no good. But I did have it muted. I just. I, I, I unlocked the phone to do something else. Man, you should you guys, hide that somewhere really deep lost in into a world. I know. I, I should, like, put it off on another yeah. screen somewhere. You guys sound like a bunch of old people. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because we, we forget stuff easily? Oh, you, you're messing things up on your phone. You like the <laughs> hardware switches. I tell you what, being able to reach in your pocket and flip that switch. Nah, Chris, the future is software-defined everything. <laughs> we're we're going to live in a software-defined reality. I, I'm going to miss that when they when, when phone manufacturers drop in the headphone port is rough and drop in the mute toggle mute switch is rough but then it can you know finally the worst be... thing i dropped they dropped the flip phone yeah Ooh. it'll yeah. it'll be back it'll be back they just want to build one small thing that's just metal and glass and nothing else yeah mark my words though the flip phone will come back maybe maybe it'll be a nokia wouldn't that be something if it was a nokia see this is a perfect made time one that for a was a... yeah Sony... <laughs> at least do a pre-show ting ad mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> extra dose today, don't you folks. mean uh, a microsoft phone chris no, no, no. So, see, there's a there's there's still Nokia, and they well, got. I thought I thought Microsoft kept the phone part mm-hmm. and spun off everything else. Well, there's actually still. It's very confusing. No, but, yeah. the original the original sale had an, uh, an a time limitation on Microsoft exactly. making smartphones. So it always reverted back to Nokia for making smartphones after a couple of years, and they started preparing for that. Yeah, very quickly. Yeah. yeah. And they are actually Microsoft already shipping phones. The patents they are already doing it. They're shipping Android phones right now. Uh, they've started doing that. Oh, but, but yeah, Microsoft owns the patents, though. That's the important part. Yeah. This is Linux Unplugged, episode 208 for August 1st, 2017. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show where one of your hosts is literally witnessing his Bitcoin empire fork. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. Hello, Wes. Quite the show today. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, the Beard joins us, a.k.a. Mr. Rika. Hello, Beard. Hi, guys. Hello, Beardsley. Thank you for making it again this week. What a champ. We have quite a show today. Quite quite, quite a show today. We, so. Well, we had to because you're in, you know, you have such woes about your finances. That's true. We have the topics of forks coming up in a little bit. Uh, some big transitions for the GNOME project. project. Windows users have yet another reason not to switch to Linux. Uh-oh. We're going to finally talk about that beautiful Linux based on Plasma that I forgot to get to last week. Karita's got some troubles. Firefox has got some new projects. And JB's making a transition. Plus, the start of a new challenge. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk about it. We'll kick off. That's what I'm looking for. We'll kick off 
the Slackware Challenge this week on the show. We're going nice. to kick off the Slackware Challenge. Are you ready, Wes? I'm so excited. Are you? You're going to do it with me, yeah, right? Yeah, right. yes, I am. So we'll talk about this. We'll talk about the Slackware Challenge. We'll lay the groundwork in this week's episode. So we got all of that. Plus, we have some breaking news that's happening right now as we record this show. So before we go any further, point of order, right here. Got to bring in that mumble room. Time appropriate greetings, virtual lug. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I love that. I do too. I do too. Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here. So, uh, really quickly, just off the top, uh, we won't make a big to do about it, but uh, a very valuable and uh, well known open source project is undergoing a major fork today, and it's Bitcoin. Bitcoin is splitting into BCC and BTC. So a minority of Bitcoin, but yet influential community members, are forking Bitcoin to Bitcoin Cash. On August 1st, that was today, This the Bitcoin blockchain split into two. Now, it doesn't look like it's having really a huge impact on value or on uh, people's balances. The value of Bitcoin has remained pretty steady today. It just essentially creates a new token. Now, it's up to different aspects of the community if they're going to recognize it or not. Bitcoin Cash will fork Bitcoin's existing software and transaction history, and it brings a new cryptocurrency tokens on a new blockchain with different rules. One of those big rules is the size of the blockchain, individual transactions and whatnot. This has sort of been brewing in the background for a while, more than a year, really, probably since I've been doing Mm -hmm. Plan B. And as a Bitcoin user, I noticed that there is a massive, massive, massive... Uh, delay now in processing transactions unless you uh, really kind of uh, grease the wheels with an un- unusually high transaction fee. But uh, after running into a few roadblocks this morning, miners were able to successfully create blocks on a new blockchain called Bitcoin Cash at a ru- at roughly, uh, I don't know why it's roughly, at 2.14 p.m. Eastern Time today. Uh, the uh, This effectively means it's happened. At this point in time, some pretty big outlets, though, are not really recognizing Bitcoin Cash. Ooh. I believe Coinbase being right. one of them. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's taking off. It's growing. It's growing from there. The uh, the big launch, though. I mean, some people may may actually be able to make some money for this. And we may see that both these things continue to exist, especially if transaction fees are lower on the Bitcoin mm-hmm. Cash network. So it may be that smaller transactions become popular in Bitcoin Cash, and large transactions become more popular on standard BTC. Who knows? But uh, I know it's not a Linux topic, but don't tell me. Tell the Linux Foundation. It's the power of forking. I Lin- think it's just a non-story. Really? I think it's just going to be another Litecoin. It's going to drop off. Here's why I think it's – well, maybe. Maybe. Here's why I feel like this story has some legs is the real thing that's the topic of debate here is the technology in the blockchain. Yeah, but uh, just a few days ago, uh, a lot of the Bitcoin core team and uh, – a lot of the companies came to a consensus about how to go forward with that. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, I don't think Bitcoin screwed or anything like yeah. that. But I think so. You know, I just made a little, little reference there to Linux Foundation. I think um, I think there's real money, like huge money, like game changing, going to disrupt the financial industry. Money in blockchain technology, and so when the block when anything is happening in the open source blockchain projects. I think there is a much bigger technology story being told there. This reminds me of the the distros that uh, forked off and did the, the non-systemd stuff. It feels like the same kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Devlon and similar. Yeah. <clears throat> Although in this case, the Bitcoin Cash people might argue that they're the more progressive-minded folks. That well, have... that's what the the non-systemd folks said too. <laughs> 
podcast. All right. Well, we, we, you know, just I wanted to note it because it happened today. Uh, there are arguments against this fork. Larger block sizes mean there's going to be more delay in block propagation. It'll be harder, more expensive to maintain a node. Starting a new node from scratch is going to take forever to download all mm-hmm. that stuff. There's, it's already massive. But it's kind of interesting that this is one of the, whether good or not, it's one of the interesting things about you know cryptocurrencies in general is that these sorts of things can happen and they can exist off on their own and do whatever they want and we we get to watch. Yeah, and um, I just saw, I just silently sit here and hope that the last remaining few bitcoins that I have clutched onto uh, are worth something in a few years. Amen. Amen to that. So last week, we talked to uh, Mr. Martin Wimpress about the Matei, Ubuntu Mateus project uh, migration to um, GitHub. And it looks like this week that the GNOME project might be fancying themselves a move. Did you see this one, Wes? Yeah. Now, it's, I don't think it's going to be GitHub. It, it looks like it's not GitHub. Um, and they say, essentially, that they, uh, they need to improve their development infrastructure, and they want to provide developers a more efficient, integrated, featureful way to enjoy a set of tools. <laughs> That's actually <laughs> like what they that. say, yeah. <laughs> uh, they say their current system is getting increasingly antiquated. They use a CGIT for code hosting and Bugzilla for issue tracking. Wow. That's Are we rough. calling Bugzilla ain't an- antiquated now? Yes. Are we allowed to say that? Because uh, I don't think you're allowed to say things like that about open source software that a lot of open source advocates use. I don't. I think it's you're not allowed to say that. Well, I'll say it about Seagit anyway. I, I'm the pro- proprietary guy that likes GitHub issues. So, uh, GitLab is, is open source. So if they go to GitLab, all good. Yeah. So it looks like uh, it looks like the evaluation has focused on two main solutions. Speaking of GitLab, GitLab and Fabricator. If you're unfamiliar with these, they have a little introduction. But beware that they say. The GitLab isn't simply a GitHub clone. I don't know exactly what they mean by that, but it sounds like in their inference in there is that GitLab is missing features. Mm-hmm. So I did a little diggy, little diggy dig, and uh, GitLab is MIT licensed. So they could, they could possibly extend GitLab. Mm-hmm. GitLab uh, has a bit of a reputation. I don't know if it's fair or not, so I'm not making any judgments. But GitLab has a reputation for being a little snippety about upstream acceptance of uh, new patches and stuff. Like, they seem to be pretty... Not accepting. Seems to be the reputation. Fair or not, I don't know. So I don't know if that means that the GNOME project would essentially end up forking a version of GitLab for their own use. That's not ideal either, because what I like about Bugzilla is it was commonly used in the community. So there was more than one project maintaining mm-hmm. it. Well, if GNOME forks GitLab, they'll just uh, remove features, so it's okay. Maybe they'll call it. <laughs> oh. <Yeah. laughs> I believe that entirely. Yeah, yeah, they'll just keep it simple. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> like easier to maintain. Years, it'll be really polished and we'll yeah. all love it. Yeah. yeah. It'll, have, it'll have a giant header bar, too. Hmm. So they figure, uh, I guess, I think they've played around with GitLab a little bit. but uh, So anyways, they are, they're looking for feedback, and that's one of the reasons I threw it in our community news section, is they are looking for feedback from the community, especially the GNOME community, in creating a migration plan based on their concerns and, and things like that. So it's probably a good time to get involved. The issue tracker seems to be a big part of it for them. I'd say, I, I mean, I wish them luck. Yeah, no, it is a good idea. And the whole, going from just like something like Seagit to modern, interactive, you know, really rich web UI uh, source control platforms, it's really, it can't be like a remarkable shift for a lot of developers. You know, there are those mean, of us like who like in, live like... and breathe the command line, but for a lot of people, like, ah. that really makes it easier for them to understand, interact, quicker to um, develop with. So I can see that doing good things for the project. Well, you know, the number one thing you see is, uh, now this is more of a GitHub effect than it is a GitLab effect, but the number one thing you see with GitHub is way more community involvement all of a sudden. 
Um, now, GitLab yeah. benefits from a bit of that halo effect, too. MonkeyCom, you wanted to jump in with a point about GitLab. Go ahead. I always switched over to GitLab just because of the issue tracking. And mm. we've switched everything. For, well, we were SVN, so we had to. But um, we've all our developers are on GitLab and issue tracking and even bug integrating some of the, the bug fix uh, technology into our existing switching is just it works seamlessly. So, hmm. Well, there you go right there. Uh, and I think we've seen other people sort of say that too, especially people in the community. Speaking yeah, I just want to point out though, like command line, uh, you can still use command line with GitLab and GitHub. Sure. I, that's what I, that's, I exclusively use command line for those. Yeah, actually I think, I think I've never, I've only used the command line with GitHub. I've I've never used any graphical. I, I usually just use the web interface because they are very. Oh well, yeah. I mean to browse it and stuff, but, but I mean you can to make like commits to right clone there too. software. Oh, oh, yeah. Which yeah. is useful for like casual users or people uh, who. I know. tend to like yeah, if it. you're fixing a typo or something. Never done clone no. the repo or anything. Oh, okay. I tend to like it because uh, I'm a very visual person. Sure, so sure. They they surface the stuff in a very easy to understand way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That w- you could even you can even edit the documents right in Git GitLab, so you yep. don't even have to to do a do a remote commit. You just open the file, edit it, and save the, and commit the changes right there in the web interface. Hmm. That is nice, and I could definitely see how that would bring in a lot more people. Uh, Robert, you had something you wanted to contribute. Go ahead. Well, just saying, um, GitLab also has its own built-in CI server. So you have one. Mm-hmm. You only need to install one thing, and you get all the features from issue tracking to a CI build server. Yeah, yeah. And pipelining all built in one go. And it's also nice. it's also pretty straightforward to set up, mm-hmm. which is that's pretty compelling too. So let's talk about GitHub for a second. I, I guess they had a bit of an outage yesterday. That's right. Uh, I didn't really impact anything I was doing, but probably affected some projects that have moved over to GitHub. Uh, and but Wes, like he does, just just loves to sleuth around github all day long and he found this project with no description no topics provided seven commits one contributor but ladies and gentlemen you could be looking at google's jpeg killer a lossless jpeg replacement it's called pick p-i-k and it's a new lossy image format for the internet and uh, Wes here has this directory that contains an encoder and a decoder for the format. It requires a CPU that has a FMA comp- a little compute chip in it, so like a Haswell or better Intel or an AVX2, I think, on... Uh... No, yeah, I think those are both x86 technologies. So it's, it's like turbocharged by your CPU. And then down here at the bottom it says, this is not an official Google product. No, it ain't. But it's just on their GitHub page. Yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> so, <laughs> didn't Google already create this with WebP anyway? Yeah. Well, WebP might be to do something else. This seems to be like one of the things that they've done here is they've built a, a lossless JPEG repackager. Like, it's built to replace JPEGs. Huh. I don't know. I think it's because uh, PIC is lossy and WebP is lossless, like. Well, um, didn't he just say it was a, a lossless JPEG replacement? Pick is lossy. What is the, yeah, okay. So what is the, uh, well, I guess it just probably means you can convert from JPEG to this. You've already lost with JPEG. Yeah. It's already compressed. Yeah. What uh, What is the new image format that the uh, internet phones are going to have with iOS 11? The HIF or whatever it is? HIF? HIF format? It's actually like, a, I guess it's a standard. I but I have no idea what you're talking about. So, we, uh, so I just, I think we're going to have a new image. For, this is probably for Android, maybe. Maybe? Maybe, maybe not. It's just, just we could have a new world of image formats all of a sudden. Us Linux users have gotten real well, comfortable to be able to double-click on files, and we could have 
iPhone users and Android f- f- users taking uh, pictures in formats that we can't open. It okay, so there is a GitHub repository for it. H E I F. Yeah. Heath. Yeah. So okay, yeah. sounds like, at least from what I'm reading over on uh, HN here, it's an image container format. The right. It's more like MKV. Can support JPEG, H.264, or H.265. So I think yeah. that Apple will probably be using a version of H.265 in right. similar for In the Heath key. container. Yes. Which is confusing, but think of it as like MKV. You can have X264 or a VP8 file in right. an MKV container. So if they use H.264 or H.265, then you may have some patent issues or other things with Ooh. that. But My head's spinning. Not up. with JPEG. Does, does it really matter, though? Because imagers are already using WebM and WebP, and that's like half the images on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So they do. Some people here do also speculate, like um, like we like we were just talking about that WebP WebP is lossy and is aimed at low quality and YUV 420 only. So PIC is perhaps a broader ah. broader scope. I'm always disappointed. Like when I'm on Google Plus, when I'm accidentally on Google Plus, which is the only time I'm ever on Google <laughs> Plus anymore, and I I want to grab something that's funny off of Google Plus, and I grab the image, and it's a WebP image. I can't put that in Telegram. Like that's what I want to do with it, right? I can't toss that on Twitter. Like I can't. I gotta like save it to my desktop, open it up, save it as a JPEG. It's jank. Wait, what? It doesn't work on Telegram. Isn't aren't the stickers WebP? Yeah, I believe they uh, are. Oh well, actually. you can't. I couldn't get it. To, I couldn't get to attach as an image that would embed in the uh, in the chat. Preview. Oh really? Yeah, oh, that's weird. I could try again, but yeah, I was like, well, this is disappointing. This is what I wanted this image for. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So while we're talking about things that uh, are just applicable to just absolutely everybody on the sun, this is what this is, that's what. Hey, can you tell it's summertime, everybody? <laughs> There's something that's been cooking under the sun, and that's the Windows subsystem for Linux. Now it's out of beta, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can get your hands on it yet. You know how Microsoft works, right? They like to uh, they like to announce something that's this is a final product that you can get in three months. So that's what's going on, I think, with the subsystem for Linux. But uh, Microsoft says they're damn excited. They are damn excited to announce that in Windows 10, Fall Creators Update, because that's what we have to name service packs now, due to ship in fall of 2017, the Windows subsystem for Linux will no longer be a beta feature and will become a fully supported Windows feature. Whoa! No more hacking your Windows box with those drop-down things that just put you in the Insider program. Um, and uh, this is great news for those of you who have uh, considered not switching to Linux and now need an excuse not to because uh, really what this is doing is it's signaling to people that you can now put this in production. In fact, Microsoft even promotes this aspect. They say, now you can go ahead and integrate this in with your day, de- day developer tool set and become even more productive when building, testing, and deploying your apps on Windows 10. Which nobody's doing, so it doesn't matter anyway. When your boss tells you you have to run Windows, then you can just install this and pretend. The problem like you're is Linux. that subsystem is not going to matter to like 80% of the people that are doing development because you can't use uh, SSHFS to connect your Linux servers anyway. Yeah. Do you hear that? That's, uh, a, that's a, quite an edge case. Just because you can't use SSHFS. Really? Is, is that really an edge case? Do you know how many people use SSHFS to work on their Linux servers? But a lot of people. That's my point. It's there's plenty of people who develop locally and then deploy using other tools. SSHFS isn't the only tool to do that. No, but I I think it's more common than you think. I mean, I use SSHFS for something completely different. Yeah, I mean, um, I think there's. Katie I mean, there Kinect are a lot. Uses it. Oh, go on. Katie Connect uses SSHFS to remotely access your phone, your file manager on your phone. Ah, yeah. I mean, it is definitely a helpful tool, but there are a lot of things. So like with why wouldn't you just use WinSCP? You could just use WinSCP, right? I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it would be nice to have it on the command line, but there's ways around it. But I, I, I'm never, I've never tried this. I did consider actually giving this a go, but then I realized it's not actually going to be out until the fall update. 
Um, but the uh, autumn update for the, our UK viewers. Actually, could you say, could you call it the correct thing? It's the fall creators update. Oh. Do they call it the autumn creators update? I know they were, they had, there was a whole thing, like, debate oh, really? about if they were yeah. going to rename it or not. I'm not oh, sure which God. way they went. God, Microsoft. I, I thought we were just calling them all Redstone updates now. I, I heard that's <laughs> why they bought not. Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> that would be better. Yeah, so you, uh, the only thing you really have to do is once it's ready is you'll just go into the Windows feature area and, uh, check the, uh, the the Windows subsystem for Linux. This blog seems to imply that the only change most people are going to notice is that they just didn't put beta in parentheses <laughs> next to the subsystem name. That's like, they really works. haven't changed much since then. Uh, fascinating. We have gone from Microsoft and Canonical co-announcing this feature to now SUSE is on here. Isn't Fedora too? Was it Fedora? I think so, yeah. I just... You and can now, hack Arch onto that. And now Ubuntu, and yeah, people are putting Arch on there. It is... So maybe while you're doing your, your new challenge, you can see if you can put that on there. Put Slackware on Windows <laughs> Yeah, 10. that just seems like the ultimate, you know, <laughs> power it, machine. Save it for the Slackware challenge segment, I'm Wes. Sorry, I'm sorry, Toss it in there, toss it in there. I have to say, I haven't seen any promo from any other distros no. that are featured in there. Very and quiet. It makes me wonder if maybe they're a little ashamed of it. <laughs> so not only have they been very quiet since the announcement... But uh, they were mums when uh, it was announced initially. And I mean, so we have two mums. We have mums on no details about what was going to go in there. It was only something Microsoft said. And then and then once it's actually in there, really no promotion from the projects either. It is extremely awkward. And I wonder if it's a little bit of that uh, Novell partnership shame when Novell teamed up with Microsoft back in the day. And then SUSE was just punished publicly for it so harshly. I wonder if that's. I wonder if they're just gun shy from that kind of stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, to me, it seems like something you'd want to promote. And the Windows, the Windows news outlets like your Paul Thorats and your Mary Joe Foley's, uh, they were uh, they were talking about it quite a bit. So people knew. Anyways, I haven't got a chance to try, but now I actually feel like maybe that now it's coming out of beta. Maybe I actually should just give it a go, but that would mean installing Windows 10. So I really got to make it worth yeah. it. I would really got to. It's got to be some content like something that. else I could do on Windows 10. You know, it's like if you're going to travel somewhere, you don't go there just for the sandwich. Like you might really want that sandwich. Yeah. Is that my only person? No, 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 you're no. right. You're okay, right. Because sometimes there's places that make really good sandwiches. Oh, you need to try it. I haven't eaten but for But you while. can't tell family members. <laughs> it's just too embarrassing. I think I should have lunch after this. Yeah. You know what? Let's take a moment. Let's take a moment. Stop talking about sandwiches. Damn it, Wes. Talking about sandwiches. Let's talk about Ting. Go to linux.ting.com to support the show and get $25 in Ting credit. Or if you're going if, uh, if you're, if you're to buy a brand new device, they'll give you $25 off the device too. That's pretty nice. You go to linux.ting.com. It's just pay for what you use wireless. A fair price, however much you talk, text, or however much data you use. It's $6 for the line and then your usage on top of that for your minutes, your messages, and your megabytes. Nationwide coverage, no contracts, no quote-unquote agreements, a dashboard better than any other phone or uh, carrier on the market. They support GSM and CDMA phones. They have a network for both, so check their BYOD page. You can buy directly from them or uh, bring your own. That's I've done a little bit of both myself. One of the things I really like to suggest about Ting, too, is to constantly check their social network because they're they have been doing a giveaway of um, some Moto G4Ss, I believe it was. And if you check their page for their shop page, but start start by going to linux.ting.com. They'll often have deals on stuff, like they've got SIM cards for nine bucks. They got the Cadillac phones there at the top, and then you go down. They got some they got some amazing deals, especially depending on what you need from a phone. Like they have flip phone stuff. They have MiFi's. Just 
tons of phones. Look at all these phones. Look at this. They have, uh, look at this, Wes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They have seven phones under 100 bucks. Wow. And then the E4 just added $129. You might as well just buy one so you have a backup in case you break Stuff your fancy in the glove nice, box. nice phone, yeah. When am I getting a new phone, Chris? <laughs> I know, right? No, I'm feeling maybe when I... Problem is, is my hand-me-downs don't run Android anymore. That is one thing people complain about to me. They're like, well, yeah, but what if I need to go... I can't go to the, the Verizon store or whatever. And I mean, I think, one, you know, there are other stores. But two, like at those prices, you can just buy one yeah. as a backup. Well, and I've been with Noah on the road when he damaged his phone. He went into Best Buy. He bought an unlocked phone. He put a Ting SIM in it. And he was back online within minutes. Boom. It's it's really flexible. Linux.ting.com. So I want to just mention Nitrix. It's the most beautiful Linux distribution ever, and I teased it last week, and then we didn't have a chance to talk about it. And I, I would have just let it pass by, because everybody likes to make these claims. Oh, Wes, it's the most beautiful Linux ever! I've heard that before. Right? We've all been romanced with that. It's the be- most beautiful Mac clone ever. It does look a little Mac OS-ish, I suppose. It sort of has, but it has elementary-style launcher with a... Uh, with a uh, with a dock down below and a persistent uh, bar along the top, but it's actually Plasma Five and cute, mm-hmm. and it's based on Ubuntu seventeen ten, and uh, I don't know it's you know I've been I've been recently looking at Netrunner and you know? uh, Maui Linux. I'm going to review Maui Linux. Chase and I are going to talk about Maui Linux Is in the next right? user. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we got I've been trying out different uh, Plasma based distros recently, sort I, of whittling like, my way to my final destination. I like this new distro hopping, Chris. It's, Thank you. It's fun. I know. I've done like three distros in like the last week. I Ouch. am getting around. So if you want a, if you want a really fancy Nitrix or a, a Plasma-themed desktop, you can go check it out. Uh, they call it the Nomad desktop. How, did we talk about this? I feel like maybe yes. we did uh, talk we did. about it. We did. Okay. So I, I used it a little bit. Did you? Do you, have, did you have a follow-up at all? Um, uh, no, it's, it's, it's a little clunky. Um, yeah. Like it's it's got a lot of cool ideas, but you know it's it's in ma- massive beta, so uh. I, I kind of uh, automatically just classify the the clunkiness to the beta part because they're basing on a beta and all their stuff is a beta, so uh, okay. it's hard to say that yeah. any of the bugs I experienced were you know game changes or anything. So there you go. So there's, but there's a, a lot of cool ideas they've been doing. Yeah, wait, so there so was like, some I, I wanna, some things that impressed you. Yeah, I want to use some of their applets in neon, but. Um, like I like the the notification is is really I really like that applet because they, they rebuilt the whole system tray. Yeah, and I think I think they did that pretty well. But the system D module for system settings, I I want that to be put in the regular plasma. Yeah, yeah, that's that jumped out at me too in the screenshot there. Um, well, thank you, Ron. Thanks for uh, thank you for the follow up on it. I, uh, I I I I started to get a sense we talked about. It, and I realized you know, this is what happens if I don't drink a beer before the show. <laughs> So I fast, then I and then I go in here, and these kinds of things come up. So, producer Michael coming in with the follow up to save the segment. Thank you, sir. And yeah. uh, while we're talking about uh, plasma desktop type things like the plasma desktop applications, there's a real situation going on with Corita. Uh, the Corita found- Foundation appears to be in um, a bit of peril, and uh, this is a. Re- I, at first, I was like a foundation for Corita. Like, Jesus, does every project need a foundation? Like, what the hell's going on here? I mean, I was a little skeptical at first. Uh, but this is how they are able to pay for one of their full-time developers. It's actually just sort of the way things go. Mm-hmm. Uh, our buddy Ike today on Patreon announced that uh, they're starting the legal framework to set up a company around Solus. Same thing. Like, yeah. you, you just, there's gets to it. That's why I did Jupiter Broadcasting eventually. It's just where you get to eventually where it's like, oh, crap, now I got to do this. So the creative folks have a foundation and it helps pay for... Uh, you know, some things and people and things like that. 
And uh, they're getting their taxes all in line, and they figured everything would be fine since they hired a lawyer to help set everything up. And they checked all the boxes beforehand, and they've been doing everything that lawyer-slash-consultant told them to do. However, they ended up getting flagged, and the tax inspector found two problems. And essentially, they're caught in a real catch-22 because uh, they claimed back that for things that they bought by the foundation, but... They also took, besides taking in donations, also sold some things like swag or documentation or guides. And so they weren't 100% donation-based. They were also kind of a company. So they're mostly not a company, but they're also kind of a company. And so they're getting screwed on both ends of that. And they have a tax bill of 24,000 euros right now as a result. They got it whittled down to 15,000. But then the tax accountant bill came out to 4,000 euros, so... (laughs) Oh, (laughs) man. That's a sticky situation. It is a bad situation. It is really bad. Um, And there's also kind of confusing because the primary full-time developer uh, was in Russia, and so they didn't pay some of the taxes that they thought they should have, or something like that. They They weren't required. They were trying to charge him for things that they were not required to do because he was in Russia. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Thank you. So that's just a bad situation for them because you 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 realize when you read this post that they essentially did everything right. And um it's just like if you're in the, here in the states, the way you would get the way you would have gotten around this because I obviously I can't apply it over there, but here in the states the way you would have gotten around that is the fee for the books and the DVDs and stuff would have been a gift of a donation, a donation amount gift. You know, you could make a donation of $5 or more and we'll send you these dvds and that's how you get around this problem in the states i don't know how you get around it outside the states but that's you know because if you walk you have to really be careful if you're a if you're a foundation or a nonprofit in the states you really got to watch that because the irs will get you and they got got so it looks like now they've spun off as a, a separate company that will take that income and then the main foundation can be 100 percent. makes sense that's how you should do it yeah, that makes and sense. this is why even nonprofits and open source companies have lawyers on retainer yeah <laughs> and yeah. fees and things even yeah, though it right. costs a crap ton it's cheaper in the long run yeah wow man they've also spent the other thing that is just we've just talked the hard numbers and stuff but think about the stress of this on these guys right you know they just want to make great open source design software great great software then they have to take months of their development time to resolve this issue it's eaten to their coding productivity. It's they 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 could they were too distressed by all this and too busy to do their usual May fundraiser, so their revenue is down. Uh, they thought at one point they were going to almost certainly go broke, but like a couple of hero donors stepped up. Oh, that's awesome, and kept them going for a little bit. And so you know you're sitting there at the end of the day, and you're like, how oh, we just haven't been as productive as we wanted. Boy, wouldn't be like dealing with taxes. You're like this is the entire this is the opposite of what I wanted when I wanted to make my badass new yeah. uh, you know illustrating software. It's really sad. You know, it's just you just want to make open source software. You don't want yeah, to do all this. Yeah, exactly. But they've done that. You and know, you're not even trying to make money. Off and they had a consultant tell them, you know, and it's just you could see how years go by, and now you've sold a few DVDs, and you don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. And of course, you think it's all going into the foundation's pot. It's all going towards work and all that. But yeah, so Creative Foundation is in a sort of a bad situation. Um, but they're posting year-end reports, and I'm just kind of following this. Uh, I don't really see them like begging for money here, but they do have a. Uh, they do have a spot on this post, which we have linked in the show notes. It's also at created.org, where you can make a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. It's got a $1 minimum. So, yeah, if you know, like I know Albert Wester is a huge user of Krita. If anybody really loves Krita, send him 14 grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Help him out. He really loves Krita. I tell you, yeah, you really got to love it. Uh, yeah, you really got to do. So let's 
let's talk a little more uh, community news. I'm liking this. So we're kind of sticking to community stuff in Linux Unplugged. And when I look at Firefox from like a community perspective, I don't hate it like Popey does. Yeah. I know Popey's a big Firefox hater these days. Only uses Chrome. How dare you? <laughs> but uh, I actually get more excited about some of the things they're working on from that. Like uh, Project Common Voice is really neat. We've been covering that on uh, Linux Action News. And now, my friends, I invite you to go to testpilot.firefox.com slash experiments. And check out some of this goodness here. So um, this will be uh, this will be relevant later on in the show. Voicefill, which is a speech, rec- speech recognition in Firefox, a voicefill lets you speak to your favorite search engines and fill in the information using Firefox to do the processing. Um, encrypt uh, send. That's what this is the one we're going to play with probably. Send, which is an encrypted file transfer, it generate, generates a link and you can send it uh, to to people like in an email or something like that. This one I really like. Snooze tabs. Right website, wrong time. Snooze it until you need it. Yeah. Snooze tabs lets you dismiss tabs now and set an alarm to open them later. That's neat. But then they take it up a notch. Containers. Contain yourselves. Create different containers for each of your online lives. Your work self, your social self, your personal self to stay organized and maintain privacy. That actually almost kind of registers with me because my hack for that right now is either incognito mode, Mm -hmm. which is transient, or I spread it out across like three web browsers. So my three main accounts I like to bang around in all the time, I spread it out. And, you know, it's like my personal account, my work account, and then maybe like one of the show accounts that I'm reading the news or the email feedback for for that. But if I could do containers... Well, that just sounds like the kind of ridiculousness I might get into. <laughs> I'm not sure if they're really doing Docker or what. I'm kind of actually, let's go take a look. Yeah, they also have a few other ones. Like I was saying, they have the Send one, which is pretty neat. Send lets you upload and encrypt large files up to a gigabyte. So that's another way you you and I were just talking about sending files around uh, before the show. The, the Firefox tab containers are not necessarily containers. They are uh, session, individual session sure, management. Sure, sure, yeah. So it's not like Docker or something like that. And, no. no. It's yeah, actually, yeah. to me, it's it's what I've been wanting for years. Yeah. And what I've had to do, like, weird workarounds to, like, make my own browser structures and stuff. It's I had to build, like, things built on Electron. It's containerization it. of, like, the user or, profiles. Or personas. Sense, right? Or personas, yeah, right. Yeah, personas. personas. That's profiles, the, yeah. Yep, that's the part. Which is great, because I have, like, 35 personas in Chrome, and this is one of the big things that has kept me from Firefox. So I know I moan about Firefox, but this is one of the big things that it's it just isn't currently very good at having a large number of very separate profiles and having all of them or a large number of them open at the same time. It just yeah. can't do that. Yeah. It's well, even, it it's even nice in a family shared a, machine. There no, was, there is can't. an add-on. I, I have tried it and it is awful. <laughs> no! so, <laughs> there's an add-on that does literally what this new feature is going to do. Like it's individual tabs that have different profiles associated oh, to that. You just like choose which profile you want on what tab. Huh. So you could, oh yeah, it looks like you can do that with this feature too. You'll be able to set it up. You can have each tab be its own. That's even yeah. more useful. Yeah. So instead of having that's multiple windows, yeah. yeah, that's I guess that's the way Chrome does it now because we have a, a family machine at the RV that a lot of, that everybody sits down at. So we have different personas there on Chrome, which is really nice. And then this Mumble machine has Chrome with different personas on it for different hosts that sit down, and we use that but, quite a bit. But it always spawns a whole new window. Yeah, it's not on separate tabs. This is like a full. This is just using electrolysis at its like m- like potential is like like really what it's great for. So you're so saying you this is like, maximum electrolysis? That's what. This yeah, is. this is the like this separation of processes, but also separation of profiles on top of the processes. Whereas Chrome is just 
processes and well, no, no no profile structure. Let's be real. So like though. you have a full profile, but you can't have individual tab sessions. Mm-hmm. Whereas this would do that. People are only really ever going to have three containers. They're going to have a home container. They're going to have a work container, and they're going to have a porn container. <laughs> oh yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking like shopping and stuff. But you're right. A porn container would probably be Wait, pretty. Why handy. do you even need a porn container? Surely that's what. Just that's like the decognito is full. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose that's true. <laughs> it's already there. I guess he gets sick and tired of because uh, incognito doesn't save cookies, so yeah, he'd have to right. log in every single time. I guess that's one. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. It's not want saving my saving comments. those cookies. You, you'll, you'll have your <laughs> you'll have your encrypted porn container password cookies. Yeah, there you go. I'm that's... totally not liking this video on Facebook. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Just wait till uh, you have the version that uh, integrates in with systemd and then you'll have it down all the way contained. That's really what I that's what I'm going to be excited. So I sent you a I sent you the uh, a test link there. Oh, where did over you send in it? In the chat. Yeah, oh, over yeah. in our Slack channel. Okay, yeah. all right, I'll bring that up. So is this using the new uh, Firefox it is. send? I installed it right there in Firefox and everything. So it works in Chrome or Firefox, I noticed. So that's a good thing. It's interesting too cuz it's kind of a like a web infrastructure play and not a browser yeah play, so they know? must I mean, be they're hosting this somewhere yeah, right, right yeah okay so yeah the url is uh, it's an https and it's send.firefox.com slash download and then a character string and then a hash after that so that's like a, like a oh interesting so i wonder if you i wonder if that hashtag if that hash is of the file is persistent anyways uh yeah okay so then it uh is it safe is it safe yeah, to download that's All right, just I'm a gonna, crappy web- webcam picture of me so I'm going to download, and then, yeah, it's downloaded super fast, and boom, there it is. Hey, that's this is uh, actually Firefox backdoor launching their Dropbox competitor. Yeah, well, in a way, like, <laughs> why does Mozilla want to get into the file hosting? It's of, kind of funny. It's, it, it, it sounds more like a, a competitor to WeTransfer. Yeah. But do they really want to be policing child porn and ter- and pictures of ISIS beheadings? In some ways, it seems well, kind of like a desperate ploy of like, I mean, Chrome tries to be so useful with all the things Google does, they kind of have to do the same. Isn't this oh. really doing it permanent thing? Because it sounds, if they're doing a WeTransfer structure, it's like every, like once a day they wipe off. Yeah, the there is expiration. Yeah. Aren't yeah, these So exp- it's like, it's basically like WeTransfer. So you think that means like, they don't have to police it as much, though? Is that true? Yeah, because they're oh. just going to delete it anyway. Yeah. So okay. you you once you use it's mainly for just like if you have a giant file you can't reasonably send to someone you can upload it to here, send it to them, give them a link, they download it, then it's gone. I don't think you deleting it quickly uh, obviates you from uh, sticking to the legal framework in the country that you operate. You can't say well, certainly, but I'm saying I like had they the child porn on my computer for half an hour, officer. Therefore, I it, and it's gone now. Therefore, it's not a problem. Well, as far as like the legal ramifications for Firefox, it's like, how are they going to find that they have this information if they don't have, you know, they don't have, they they can't say, oh, we found this, we report it to you, you have 30 days to get rid of it or something. You have have to make action, but it's already gone. When they're they're monitoring some nonce who's using this to transfer files back and forth, and they're monitoring the URLs, they certainly can go after them for having distributed the data not that they're necessarily hosting it anymore but they did distribute it so the fact that it's gone isn't going to help them in when it comes to their time in court i mean there's like 20 of these services right now so i'm wondering how they handle that then because <laughs> they have the same situation i think what you say is certainly true but uh, i imagine they will be a much lower priority at least it seems like a lot of these like you can download this once and then it expires so i imagine priority will be given mm. to places that are actually distributed it in a yeah. meaningful way rather than one-on-one Okay, so bringing this conversation back to Firefox itself, it sounds like Minimac has been uh, banging around on uh, Beta 55. How's that been going? I tell you, it's a real pleasure. I mean, four, uh, 54 was even an, 
what's getting better but 55 is really cool a lot of less memory usage you can use it on really small systems and it's mm. running really great oh. i was really surprised that's it's nice. absurdly faster really yeah it's it's noticeable if, if anyone have a problem with like with using firefox before and it from like firefox like 45 46 or so up to 54 they've been pretty they've been getting faster and faster but it's like you know, very barely noticeable. Like if you really? go and get forty-five, and you then you compare it to fifty-four, you'll notice a difference. But like That's in between exciting. each individuals, but fifty-four to fifty-five, you can easily tell a difference. All right, Beard. yeah, definitely, I agree. I want to know what it would take for you to give it a go, for you to actually use it, because you are all in on Chrome. I I have no reason to you, use it, so it's not even a consideration. Like, what if it's faster? Like, what if it what if it renders pages faster? Uh, is it less crashy? Because every time I've tried to use Firefox, I run into crashing issues. Hmm. I'll tell you I this. I mean, it's less crazy for me, yeah. I, but, I, yeah. I would imagine, right? Because the technology changes they're making would, would have to lend to stabilities. I, I am, I'm also unusual use case, though, because I have literally hundreds and hundreds of tabs. I use, uh, well, I use about 150 tabs, but so I don't probably have as many as you, but I have a significant amount, and the new... The new structure with the electrolysis plus the 55 speed increase uh, is noticeably different. And like, if there is crashing now, that it's a much cleaner and elegant like replacement. Like, it doesn't it that, doesn't crash its entirely. It's just like this process goes away. That's very encouraging. I'm also yeah. kind of tied into the the Chrome infrastructure because there's a lot of specialized uh, extensions that I use yeah. that don't have direct Firefox replacements. Yeah, you, they probably they probably will soon, especially with the with uh, 55 and above. You can use web extensions that are essentially Chrome extensions ported to Firefox. Hmm. Interesting. That is. Yeah. So and 57 is going to be only web extensions, but 55 actually 53 introduced like the web extension as an option. So there's already a lot of extensions that are already built for that are ported to Firefox right now in the Firefox market, like add-on market. Huh. See, the, the problem for me is and as a former Firefox extension developer, is that Firefox keeps changing their extensions. There's been like six different iterations of extensions. So, and, and like three of them are deprecated now. So you can't guarantee that your extensions are going to be there in six months. Yeah, there is that. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons they're using web extensions as the infrastructure now because yeah, they're, well, bringing, they're that, making it to like a consolidated type. Like, you know, this one framework is what's going to be used for most browsers. That's what they did to, to pitch the last four extension things, though. <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're the, they were the only ones that controlled that framework. So people, the other browsers didn't want to agree with that framework. And they, so Firefox is now, essentially Firefox is giving into web extensions. I'll tell you, so the, so in the Discord chat, the, uh, who, who just brought it up? Uh, somebody just brought up in the Discord chat Firefox's uh, touchscreen support, Mozza did. And that is, that is a, it, it is a limitation of Firefox that we don't talk about because how many of us are using <laughs> right. touchscreens? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, guess what? We have a touchscreen here in the studio. And so every now and then I got pull up a web browser on it and you just, Yikes. Firefox is a disaster and Chrome is it's, much it's, better. 55 has improved the touch oh, a good. little bit as far as like the scrolling. Because Firefox touch scrolling used to be atrocious and it's, it's a lot better now with 55. I wouldn't say it's probably as good as Chrome because Chrome is a lot more uh, cohesive, but I would say by the time 55 comes out, it's possible that it might. So uh, going back to the experiments for a second, Uh isn't that exactly the kind of thing that people were giving Firefox crap about doing 
like six, 12 months ago where they weren't focusing on their core browser and improving the core browser. Things like hello. Yeah. And they were, well, don't you think, but well, okay. Send is the, is probably the, 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 the biggest hello, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. okay. That, that I agree, but, they but can, the, can, the, the tab can... stuff is actually and container stuff's actually pretty nice. Like this, like the sleeping a tab and then having it come back at a scheduled time. To try that's that. kind of genius actually. Yeah, some, some of them are, are definitely improvements to the browser, but some of them feel like just ancillary projects that are, yeah, taking away from the, the sleeping tab is already ability is already usable. Like uh, you can do it now, but it, like the timer stuff is really, is really cool. Yeah. But like there there's, I think the experiments are great because a lot of people talked about how Firefox is removing features and there it's becoming like a crappy clone of Chrome or whatever, like not even using the engine or whatever, and and then just keeping these. You know, Firefox is changing all these things and it's making Firefox no longer as good as it was. But now they're introducing these potentially like game changer features like the container structure of the profiles and session management that that would make me i i I, that would be like the the main reason i could say you should use firefox over any other browser because you can control the session per tab and if you want to go to like i want to log into twitter 10 times with 10 different accounts no problem ready to go Yeah, that seems really compelling i'm going to definitely give be giving it a go absolutely 100 percent. i'm actually kind of funny i'm at the point with chrome where i was at with firefox when i switched away where the sync feature is finally, finally, finally biting me in the ass. It took a long time, uh, so I got to give the Chrome folks credit for that. But extensions that I removed, I pared down my browser extensions ages ago. Well, you tried to. Yep, they're repopping back up. Uh, and the ones that I need most critically are failing on the machine that I need it the most critically, which is the machine that's on the live stream. Um, and so those things are all like, they're not, I can go back in, I can repair the extension, and then I can reload all my tabs. So it's, I have a workaround. But I'm looking at that Firefox and I'm going, I love what they're about and I love what they're doing. It's going to be time for me to kick the tires again. Absolutely. It's especially if you if you just want to try out the beta, uh, it's definitely worth trying it like even now because it, it, it runs so fast. It's, it's shocking. So there's a story that uh, I, I wasn't going to cover. Um, but I've been seen in the chat room and a hashtag blame Popey. It's coming up again. <gasps> And uh, it seems to be discussion worthy because the chat room's talking about it a lot. Uh, and uh, there was a there was a section in the new Red Hat Enterprise release. So Red Hat just put out, I believe, a seven point four Red Hat mm-hmm. Enterprise. And um, you may or may not realize that in every release they have a deprecated functionality section. So in chapter fifty three of the release notes of Red Hat Enterprise seven point four. They have the deprecated functionality chapter. Of course, that's what that's what everybody uses. Uh, that's what everybody does with chapter fifty three, right? That's my favorite chapter. Deprecated functionality, mm-hmm. and the one that is getting the chat room's attention today is uh, they're dropping ButterFS. They're pulling back on ButterFS, and it seems to be what everybody wants to talk about. So I, I thought I'd open it up. <clears throat> I'll start with the announcement. The, uh, they say the ButterFS file system has been in technology preview state since the initial release of Red Hat Enterprise Linux 6. And Red Hat will not be moving ButterFS to a fully supported feature. And it will be removed in a future major release of Red Hat Enterprise Linux. Um, Poby, is this, a, is this a bad, bad sign for ButterFS? Is this essentially the death of ButterFS for the enterprise file system? I, you know, I really can't tell, and I don't know. I mean, they're hedging their bets and saying it will be removed in a later release, which they could always change those plans, when, <laughs> right? And it doesn't say when that would be, so that you know, those plans could change. But I find it interesting that like two of the major players in Nginx have taken a completely different stance on this. That like for Suzer, it's like all in. 
um, default right. install. Yeah, integrated into the package manager with yeah. uh, right. With it's it's all there. Snapper, uh, zipper, whatever it is. Although I have to say, I had a. I updated my um, when I saw the latest version of OpenSUSE came out. I updated my machine and it all fell apart because it ran out of disk space because all the snaps, the uh, what's it called, the uh, snapshots of um, sorry, I've got snaps on the brain. Uh, the snapshots from all the updates I'd done in the past caused it to run out of disk space, so I had to go in and manually, like <laughs> an animal, sure. remove these. That reminds uh, me but- of that reminds me of uh, that damn slash boot directory on my fiance's computer that I have to keep going clean out. <gasps> I can't Sorry wait to trigger you. There. I can't wait Sorry. for that update in seventeen ten where it automatically cleans it up. <laughs> That'll be so wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, I follow you. It, it is funny because you 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 kind of joke and jest, but they are also building um, new projects on top of ButterFS. They they have some stuff they're working on right now that's really it's integral to it. And uh, so that is that you're right. It is two major deviations. And then if I unless I'm mistaken right now, uh, Ubuntu like if I were to install uh, the latest LTS of Ubuntu, it would default to extended four. Correct? Right. And then, of course, ZFS, ZFS, is available if you want it, which... And XFS and all the others, but, right. you know, we don't we don't make ButterFS uh, a first-class citizen like SUSE do. I wonder, you got to wonder, though, folks at, in Red Hat Legal right now are working overtime, making sure that they can put ZFS in future versions of Red Hat Enterprise Linux. They've got to be getting that from their enterprise customers. They've got to be getting that. I don't think there is... I would be willing to bet, and this is my supposition, I admit this, so this is just Chris guessing, but I'd be I'd be willing to bet like a steak dinner that there are at least enterprise customers exist that want to deploy ZFS. There's probably not nearly as many enterprise customers that are actively seeking to deploy ButterFS. There's just a difference in brand recognition. So I wonder where Red Hat will go. <clears throat> Maybe they'll go with XFS. Hey, so yeah, that's the I big story. I do think story, it's hard because a lot of uh, I think a, a lot of enterprises kind of gave up on getting DFS in, in a supported way uh, and so have large enterprise SANS or other solutions that they've kind of adapted to. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of those systems have something they just run on top of and they just like they have their own right. solution too. Yeah, when you're really doing large stuff. Anyways, or, it's a big release. Or they switch to Ubuntu. Chat, the chat room really zeroed in on it though. I wasn't going to put it in the show. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to put it in the show because I felt like uh, it would just be ButterFS hating. But then I thought about it, and I guess it is kind of newsworthy that Red Hat's rolling back from it without really saying where they're going. I even re- noticed recently my... I I didn't even notice until I dug into it. My Netgear ReadyNAS runs ButterFS by default. I, did, I didn't yeah. even know that until yeah. I SSH'd into it and happened to type mount for whatever reason. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, wow. It's on a few appliances. <laughs> I'm actually running it reliably at mm-hmm. home. It's perfectly fine. So that's good. I suppose, you know, if you really know what your use case is and you can control all these things and, you know, it just – it's not like it's it's not like it's destroying everybody's data everywhere. There's lots of people using it, but there's just it, – it's like been labeled though. It's been branded. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, there you go. Also, by the way, Red Hat Enterprise 7.4 is out. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. I guess that also... Oh, hi there. I guess that also didn't make it into the news. Uh, anyways, there's a few other tweaks in there for the desktop. Nautilus open terminals replaced with GNOME terminal Nautilus. So brace yourself. Ooh. Brace yourself. I like that word ordering. Yeah. Yeah, there's... Uh, when, there's a, when, uh, when a new version of Red Hat Enterprise Linux 7.4 ships, the uh, Linux desktop market shakes. No, not really. Not really. But maybe one day. DigitalOcean.com. Go over to DigitalOcean.com and use our promo code DO1PLUGGED. After you sign up, it's one word. You apply it to your account. Boom! It's magic, Wes. You know what that does? It enables you. 
It enables you with a $10 credit to go create a machine on DigitalOcean's wicked fast infrastructure with all SSDs, unbelievably low pricing, and data centers all over the world. The entire friggin' infrastructure is SSDs, and man, do they scream. Really, it's... I, they don't say what the, what the bit rate is there, but it's uh, it's it's fast. I'll just put it that way. You can get started in less than a minute. It's really nice, and they have lightning fast networking everywhere. Beard, how many? I mean, how 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 crudal? How cru, How critical? How critical do you think DigitalOcean is to Jupiter Broadcasting? That's crucial and critical. Critical. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, we're live streaming from DigitalOcean right now. From we're using at least three three DigitalOcean droplets to make this show even happen right yep. now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you could just uh, spin up an Ubuntu droplet and stick some ZFS on an SSD on there. Yeah, and they it's actually a really cool way to play with ZFS because they have block storage, which you can scale up to 16 terabytes. Yep. So you can mess around with crazy ZFS experiments on their infrastructure. Just use our promo code DO Unplugged, and you can do it. Like, run their $5 rig and attach storage. Because you don't need, like, crazy amounts of RAM and CPU. Just try it for a little bit and experiment around. Uh, they, they also are, are working on object storage as well. Which I'm is, so excited. Mm-hmm. They have a whole list. We were also earlier talking about GitLab. One-click deployment, Ubuntu LTS, all up to date, nice and shiny, with GitLab ready to go, ready for you to use. Just one-button deployment of a lot of great open-source applications. And they have load balancing as a service. They make it really easy if you're in a team. And then an interface for pros or beginners and an API that's to die for. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code DO Unplugged. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Unplugged. A program! A program! A program! Got a couple of bits of uh, community discussion I thought we'd pull in here. This first one is actually over from R Linux. And uh, we read it so you don't have to. This came in, though, and I thought this was interesting. I really thought about this, and I thought, damn, this is an area where I was hoping by now Mycroft was going to solve. Uh, he says, he writes, I recently injured my hands and wrists, and typing is painful. Boy, have I been there recently. Mm-hmm. Mouse use is not so bad, but still pretty sore, so I need voice control and or transcription software. Dictation for writing, but voice control for input would be helpful as well. I've tried Simon, Pocket Sphinx, Free Speech, all on Ubuntu 1704. None of them work out of the box. It might be a cool gimmick. Uh, he, he talks about some of the other things that are in there, but for, for most people, but for me, I need it with my certain with my current disabilities. Uh, and he says, now that I really need it, Linux voice control is a total nightmare. So there was a couple of suggestions that came in, and I don't know if anybody in the uh, mumble room or the chat rooms has a uh, suggestion, but here's a kind of a somewhat messy workaround, I admit. But I actually like this one, and it was from the comments section using KDE Connect. Now, I'm not a daily user of KDE Connect, but what if you used the voice dictation on the Android phone for input and then use KDE Connect to send it in the machine? That's clever. Interesting. Is anybody a KDE Connect user? I'm actually a daily user of KDE Connect who does this. Oh, okay. Oh. So is, is this a reasonable, like, actual workable solution? As far as transcriptions go, yes. It actually works quite well because it, it it'll mimic a keyboard. Like, if you... Set your you do remote input with your KDE Connect from your phone. You can use it as a mouse or a keyboard, so it uses whatever your keyboard is to input the content to through KDE Connect to your computer. So anything you send through your keyboard will go to through KDE Connect to your computer. So you can have a keyboard that has voice built into it, and the voice dictation, if it's good, will send it to uh, your computer, and it works great. But it requires a a, a really good. Uh, 
voice dictation and keyboard integration. So I use Swipe because it has Dragon dictation built into it. Oh, okay. Clever. Yeah, yeah and Dragon's because, good uh, stuff. The company who makes Dragon bought Swipe Nuance. Oh. So they're both they're integrated together I now. I realize. Yeah, and it's it works so well because you can just because Dragon is so efficient, you just say whatever you want and it sends it in. This doesn't solve his problem about like management through voice, but it does solve the dictation and uh, I use it not all the time, but I use KD Connect uh, input every day and I probably do the dictation when I'm doing like a long email or something. So that's a good tip about Swipe. So if I grab the Swipe keyboard, I get to use Nuance's dictation engine. That's... Yep. Not Which only I is that, that nice, on, oh, like people who use OS X for kind of exactly that or reason. I, iOS also, yeah. I, iOS, iOS voice dictation is licensed by Nuance. It's driven oh. by Nuance. So, they, like Apple, Apple just forwards that on to Nuance, mm-hmm. and they do the processing. Uh, so, but the other nice thing about it is it means you're not sending your voice to Google, which is kind of a means you can still get voice dictation on Android without having to send it off to Google. So that's 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 a nice way to kind of get around that. Uh, I saw that I saw that producer Michael, you also jumped in the uh, in the comments to help that guy out. Yeah, I, I I basically explained similar something similar like a quick way like a you know this is how it works with me but I didn't really go into detail but yeah. it it is a lot better uh, than the basic Google uh, voice dictation and I think I think Swipe is a better keyboard in general hmm. but the the Dragon dictation built into it is way way better and it's a lot it's very smooth for this and the fact that KD Connect works on all DEs and it's just it's made by the KDE project but is not specific to KDE Plasma. Uh, this is a great solution pretty much for all Linux users. The uh, other thing that uh, is sort of a long-term looking up kind of thing is, uh, and like I, I said earlier, we've been covering it on Linux Action News a couple of times, is Mozilla's uh, voice project, Common Voice. And uh, they're working on, if you go to voice.mozilla.org, they're working on essentially creating a common standard for this. Architect in the chat room also says that BSD Now has uh, talked a bit about um, using, um, I forget, Orca. He said, so BSD Now has covered nice. Orca a bit. So Orca is the reverse. It's not a control. It's a reader. Yeah, right. It, yeah, right. It's a screen reader. Right. Orca is a screen reader. Uh, but I guess that would be the other, the, the opposite side. Is if mm-hmm. if that's something you want to try. Uh, anyways, if you guys have any suggestions, uh, I have a new way perhaps for you to get those uh, suggestions into the show. <gasps> Are you ready for this? No. So Jupiter Broadcasting is uh, crazy pants sometimes, I swear. I swear sometimes we just sit around and then boom, all of a sudden it's total chaos right now. One of those moments is upon us. Uh, it is, uh, we are trying out a new platform to... Uh, let me guess, let me guess. The U.S. Postal Service. I know, I'm, I'm couching this a lot, aren't I? Like, I'm really building up here. The, you're right, yeah, the U.S. Yeah, postcards, can, everybody. Can, can we at least use FedEx? I think postcards would be pretty bad. Actually, USPS <laughs> is, is a lot more efficient for me. I also think postcards would be great. And, you know, if, so you, th- if you look at how much a, a postcard or a stamp costs, it's way cheaper oh, than using FedEx. Oh, what about carrier pigeons? Or carrier drones, we could be hip. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different uh, things we're looking at these days, but uh, we are beta testing a sort of community consolidation platform called Discord. That's how I'm looking at it. And it's one that uh, we've had up on the chat room on and off. We've had that chat room up on the screen on and off. And it combines several features, and one of which is uh, I personally face a problem today. And uh, I'll just we'll just take a moment and go to Chris's corner here. Uh, and that and that problem is that uh, there are many uh, platforms that uh, folk can reach me on. Uh, the, I'm going to just do this off the top of my head, so I'll probably get the wrong. But of course, there's Twitter, there's email, there is Telegram. 
There are is Reddit messages. There are Facebook messages. Of course, there's also Twitter DMs, which I, I consider separate than at mentions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the IRC room. What am I forgetting, Rika? I'm, I'm forgetting a couple of things, uh, but I think I'm making my point. Did you say Telegram? Yeah, I'm making my point. Like there, And that is, I would say those are the daily platforms that people use and expect me to reply to them. Uh, and it's it's just sort of crazy. It's just it's, sort of it's, nuts. It's a bit of a message octopus. Yeah, and <laughs> got Google Plus. And so, oh, thanks. Yeah, Google I, Plus. I, well, I kind of stopped checking it, but Google Plus. Yeah, since you're right. I, it is one of them. Since I've started hosting shows, I'm starting to feel some of this. Yeah. like I've been getting Reddit messages and Twitter DMs. Yeah. And yeah. So you know that XKCD comic about how there's too many standards, so we need to create a new standard. We're creating a new standard. Well, yeah, that's kind of what we're beta testing right now. And the idea is to sort of funnel it all into Discord. Perhaps using bridges to help people. Like, so if you're an IR, if you prefer to use IRC, but you still want to be in the conversation, we could use, either use. We're, we're we're looking at different systems: bridges, bots, front ends, all these different ways to make it happen, uh, and essentially create a mega chat. We could even integrate with Telegram, so we could have a JBLive.tv Telegram group that could and be Matrix. like, and Matrix, yeah. So you could have like you if you're a tele like a lot of people just like to hang out on Telegram. We could just have a dedicated group. We wouldn't use the existing one, but we'd have a dedicated group that would just be if you're in here, you're part of the live chat. So you could participate from different locations. So we're we're looking at ways to consolidate and make a mega chat. And uh, as part of that, uh, I'm testing Discord right now. We've launched it to our patrons. They've been beta testing or alpha testing it for us really for like what um, a week. It's yeah. been about a week and week and a day or so. We've got a lot of people in there. And so now we're opening it up to the wider community to help test a specific feature. I mean, you can test all of it, but the feature that I'd like to test is consolidation of feedback. And I've launched a dedicated channel called Hair Care. And when you join Hair Care, it is a place for you to have a direct line of communication with me directly. This is a room where you can share a show idea. You can air a complaint or a concern. You can just give general feedback. You can say thanks, whatever you want. I just like it to be tight, specific, and on topic. Um, and if you say like, hey, uh, review more applications, that's what Eric did. Great piece of feedback there. As like, okay, my first thought was, well, which applications? So, you know, be specific. But this is this is a spot where at least for a while I'll be watching this very closely. And if you if there's something you want to get in front of my face, this is the spot I'm going to try to I'm going to try to suggest everybody go to as a way to help beta test this as a platform to see if it works for our community. If you're curious about some of our motivations, about why we're trying this, if you want to hear both sides of that debate, check out recent episodes of User Air where we've been discussing the philosophical side of this and the community impact side of this. So I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Hair care. Is that specific to Chris Last feedback? It's like, well, what I was thinking was like, say you wanted to write a letter to the CEO. Okay. And it's like something, I mean, I don't know. I guess we could, anybody could probably, anybody in the staff could probably respond. Well, I was just wondering if I need to create a beard channel to get beard feedback. Oh, uh, that's not <laughs> bad. You could, you could, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking it'd be like, uh, it's not, a, I mean, you could give me specific feedback about some of the obnoxious, stupid things and ticks that I have. That's <laughs> so fine, too. burping. Yeah. But uh, I, what I was really like is like, I wanted to let the CEO of the company know, here's a problem, or here's yeah. an idea, or here's something I love, or here's something they need to do more of. And you can drop it in there. And at least while we're testing this, and of course, while there's not very many people in there, you're definitely going to have my attention. We, I don't plan to be in there all the time. I'm going to check it in batches. Yeah, we, we do also have a, a content corner channel where you can share yeah. stuff like 
stuff that you want to see on shows. Yeah, so the co- I was thinking the difference nice. there, the content corner might be more like, here's an idea I have, and let's bang this out. So, like, I'd like to see more application reviews was Eric's idea. Mm-hmm. So if you go in the con- – so if Eric were to go in the content channel with that – he could say, I'd like to see more application reviews. What kind of applications do you think JB should talk about? Like, what are, what are applications that need covered? Um, and then that, that would really kind of be useful for us to see, like, that too, that conversation, that discussion, and see where people... And then, you know, I, when somebody has a really poignant on-the-nose on the idea, they can drop into hair care and get it in front of my face. Um, also, something I haven't decided on, uh, should we have, like, separate channels for each show in the Discord? I don't know. I feel like some shows, like Unfiltered, probably should. Yeah, I, I feel like we should ask the community. Yeah, so that could be something we talk about in general. So how do they get there? That's probably a good question. That's probably something we should have said by now. That would be discord.me slash Jupiter Colony. Nice. Yeah, we're calling it the Jupiter Colony, so you can join our colony. If you're a patron, too, go through Patreon and turn on your Discord perk. You'll get special status in the uh, Discord system. And I, I don't know if it's on automatically. I like like people have to go claim that perk, you know, in the in the Patreon no, area. Patreon, the Patreon bot does it automatically. Yeah. Oh, it does. Okay, you, you you do have to connect your Discord on the Patreon side, though. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You manually connect it to, and then the bot gives you roll and automatically. I did notice one thing: um, people that are donating but aren't on a specific tier won't get connected so you have to be on one of the tiers ah uh, that's that's interesting so like if you're doing oh, like say really? like a, if you're doing like two dollars and 25 cents yeah that's not a tier level so it doesn't work with the API. yeah but if you if you bump it up to like three three dollar tier then you yeah. will get it connected yeah we also you know we also while we're talking about that the jupiter signal patreon which uh plug 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 is a great way to support the network we also beard and i released a podcast exclusive to our patrons yep. that talks about some of this too we've been really this is something we've been really thinking about a lot because there's obvious disadvantages to discord and the biggest one is the fact that it is not open source and it is not self-hosted and so that's the one where we've had the most reflection and conversation around. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- I, I'm not going to repeat it all here. So that's in the other shows if mm-hmm. you care. Uh, but do know that it's something we were giving tr- a tremendous amount of thought to, to the detriment of other things that we maybe should be thinking about. <laughs> to the detriment, I should say. Much like Firefox. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, it's all in the beta stage. We haven't, we're not making any changes. We're not replacing anything right now. It's all in the beta stages. And this is cool, though. They use Linux for the hosting. They make a Linux client available. They use Opus for the codec, WebRTC, and all that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's pretty nice, and it works at different scales. It works for large communities, or just for my kids to have like a little spot for nice. them to chat on their own server. So yeah, there you have it. Uh, so you can go to uh, what was that URL again? There, Albert. What was it? It was uh, discord.me. Discord.me slash Jupiter Colony. Magic. Discord.me slash Jupiter Colony, and we will have uh, a link in the show notes too. What do you think, Wes? Because you know, I know you, uh, you 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 like your tools to be open source. I do. I know that's, that's a, especially like the platform level. I know that's important to you but i also know that as a practical man who's in the day-to-day like workforce you're also in slack quite a bit so you this is something you've probably dealt with at at that level like do i use you know using slack and using it with different systems versus irc what do you think about this stuff what do you do you consider these tools to be precious and that these cut discord and and instead of slack if possibly you should be using Mattermost. instead of discord maybe be using matrix like are, is that how much weight do you give to that debate I'm glad it's considered. I mean, it is it is important. I would I would prefer to use um, you know as much open source bot, uh, platforms as possible, but 
so many of these things you end up, you know, it's just as like, how many users do you have? Do you have the people that you want to talk to on the platform that you that is available? And I also understand your perspective in that, like, yeah, between Slack and Telegram and all the other things, it can be, you know, there's a lot. It's hard to keep track of and it's hard to use right. well. Well, and we've had a fragmentation of the community between Reddit, IRC, Telegram, and people who just, you know, are, are maybe occasionally write in on email. It's It's really spread out. So it's attractive to consider something that has the capability to bridge all these different networks and mumble to and bridge it all together into one space. That's pretty attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it has the feature set to spin up voice chats. So th- that could be very useful as well. Right, and that's what it is. it's quite quite featureful. And uh, I think one thing that like like Slack, at least um, you know, for my day job and other things that had advantage over the other clients that we'd already been using for chat was just like you know first class platform support, first class mobile support. Quasal Droid on the phone is not bad, but it, it's not really it's not really the same. It hasn't been designed with that sort of use case or interactivity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so this also, I think, would make it easier. Plus, I've never really liked Telegram groups all that much. I, I don't find them very usable. I don't use Telegram for anything else like that. So having I have to mute them all the time, and then I can't really tell if I've missed things or not. I don't know. So yeah. Discord, it, it feels yeah. like a better place kludge. to have that. Yeah, plus with Telegram and other things, like there's already you know issues with... The, be it being hosted and, and That's all those true. things. And really, our IRC chat room is hosted on a different service. Yeah. It's, so I would. If it's on somebody else's system, it's on Geekshed. I do think it is imperative that we continue to build things like Rocket Chat, Mattermost, Matrix. We continue to build bridges so that we can kind of. You can communicate on the platform of your choice. Maybe some of your communications goes to a platform you don't like, but you can at least control that and limit it to where you need to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To me, these platforms are not so important that uh, it needs to be something that aligns with my self-identity. It, it, these are things, if, if Spotify were to go away tomorrow, I'd be fine. Honestly, if Netflix were to go away tomorrow, I'd be fine. Amazon Prime streaming goes away tomorrow, I'd be fine. Steam shuts down, I'd be a little butthurt, but if they gave me a way to keep my games offline, I'd be fine. Uh, I, the systems that I choose to participate in that are hosted are systems that, to me, don't matter in 10 years. I, I I could give I could give zero shits about about you know Spotify in, in five years. Mm-hmm. I really don't care. I don't care if they make money. I don't care if they make it. I just don't care because to me, there's always something else to switch to, and there's always another platform that comes around. There's always another way to do that job. And so for maybe a couple of years, it's one system, and then for another couple of years, it's another system. And Which you know seems what? Seems to be how it goes. A couple of years after that, it'll be a different system, and it's just the way it works. And to me, none of it's really. None of it really matters that you much. You don't view it as, as like, um, you know, building blocks. It's not the foundation of, of your life. It's just something that you kind of connect into and, and yeah. know that it will it's, be short it's, it's a thing that is providing me value for probably a year or two. And uh, at some point, it's likely going to stop providing me value, or the value proposition will be such that it provides more pain than it does value. And at that point, I will switch to something else. That's just how I see it. Yeah. It just, I, I'm kind of in the same camp. I do sympathize with people who use IRC all the time and have been using it for the past 15 years and don't have that same experience of hopping between clients all the time. Um, but I, I'm definitely in your camp. Mm. I, would... I, I think Discord is is, um, is fantastic. The only problem it has is the proprietary hosting part. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of features that's great, like especially the webhook system is fantastic. Can you explain that to me? I don't really yeah, understand like, what webhooks does. I, I saw it, it in the settings. It's kind of like its own bot built into the system. So, like, if you can, you can make it where when you post something on Twitter, it'll use a webhook to send it into the chat room. 
Oh, yeah. I also saw like you can use it with GitHub. So like if a project doesn't yeah. update. Yeah. yeah, it essentially lets third-party services push notifications to, to your Discord. Right, but you can also build your own webhook using like you could even use like if this and that send using anything from there yeah. into Discord. That's interesting. But it's basically to push information to you. This conversation's yeah, yeah. like it would be this feels like this conversation would be totally reframed if Jupiter Broadcasting ran their own IRC server. You know? Yeah. But uh like yeah. this we this this uh this problem I for me as a Linux user, I don't know where to draw the line. Here's where my 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 confusion comes in. If if this is a line I were to hold, say say I were to just reject Discord out of hand for Jupiter Broadcasting simply because it is not open source, the hosted part of it. Then where do I draw that line? Do I say, well, we can no longer use Android devices either because they're Linux, but they have a proprietary layer on on top of them. Do I say I the same the thing about routers? What about what about our edge routers? Like, where do I draw? The, okay, go ahead. Yeah, where do I draw that line? I think the difference is um, what when you're talking about using Discord, you're asking other people to cross the well, line. Then, Whereas what you're okay. when you're saying what you're using inside your studio, nobody gives a toss what you're using in sure. your studio. Sure, okay. But what you when you're asking me to sign up for a service, that's when it changes. Well, first of all. That's not true because plenty of people care about what we use in our studio, <laughs> probably too much. But aside from that, then <laughs> then we should we should uh, we should also not be on Telegram. We shouldn't be on Twitter. We shouldn't be on Reddit because we're not hosting that ourselves. We shouldn't be Correct. on any of these services. I agree. Yes. Hmm. So where if you're going to draw the line, draw the line. So I know Popey. Yeah, I I I know you are in there. Uh, so you use it. You all. I think you probably have Slacks that you're in as well. I know you probably use things like Hangouts. Yep. How, where this is always a debate us Linux users are having. When do you choose a proprietary solution over the free one? What, what about you? Personally, I'm a pragmatic person, so I have an NVIDIA binary driver installed. I have Steam. I have 300 Steam games installed on my laptop, but I'm not inconveniencing anyone else by doing that. I'm not I'm not causing sure. someone else to yeah. have to install non-free software in order to interact with me. If you want to talk with me on a free software platform, you can do that. Right. So, be, okay. So, are you saying? Um, so, the key then is to leave the leave a way for people to communicate that is an open and free platform. Still, so like right. you could be on Slack, you can be on Discord, but there's got to still be a way if you don't want to participate in any of that stuff. Exactly. That that would be a reasonable thing. To I do, think I that's think. pretty easy to do with an IRC bridge. Where it could be really tricky is there's no bridge for Mumble. So if we. I don't know if we'd ever replace Mumble, but you could see the super handiness where you can integrate all of it in one place. And especially when you consider the fact that there's Patreon integration. So we could say maybe these members of the Unfiltered Patreon can be involved in a listener edition of the show. And it's just a matter of check a box. And now they have those permissions. If they delete their Patreon account, their permissions are removed. Mm -hmm. We don't have to manage two systems here at JB, which we would suck at. (laughs) That's... That, to me, seems like, oh, well, shit, that almost would make it worth not using Mumble. But then there wouldn't be a free and open way unless somebody were developing. So we a need a Mumble yeah. Discord bridge. But then the flip side is one of the biggest hurdles for this here podcast that you're listening to right now is, hey, by the way, can you tell this is a summer edition? We're talking about ourselves. Uh, this here podcast is when we bring guests on, they really have often never used Mumble before. And so most of the time, I ping producer... Michael and I say, hey, uh, Rotten, 
I know you're probably busy, but can you reach out to XYZ and can you help this guy get Mumble configured? And he always says yes. And he's created he's created documentation for it too. So but you can imagine like Rodney, if like I we didn't have to do that anymore. If it was just go to this website, log in, and it just works. I mean, it's still kind. Of, you still kind of have to explain Discord if they ever used it, but it is it's it's simpler to set up in the sense you don't have to worry about ports or anything. Especially like, like that. the audio settings, like configuring which audio interface to mm. use, and the troubleshooting yeah. it, your connection it, is really simple. It depends where you are on the you know the Stormen line, and there are <laughs> certainly podcasters who won't put out their podcast even now as an MP3, but only as OG, and they use free software platforms and they have self-hosted WordPress and you know things like that. They and they only use Mumble, and they would expect you to um, jump through the hoops in order to be a guest on their show. Now you're a bit further down the line in that you're going to. Um, allow people to join the show, but they'd have to, you know, they'd have to use some non-free thing. And you also use non-free for distribution of your show, which they wouldn't use. And I guess it's just what you're personally comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, uh, is it Rob Brother Arm? Is that what Roe Brother Arm? Is it Roe Brother Arm? Is that how I'm supposed to Rob say it? Rob the Ram. Uh, Rob the Ram. How about, let's just go with Rob. Uh, Rob, yeah. uh, you said you're in another community that's having this exact conversation right now. Are we being basic? Yeah, <laughs> yeah almost identical. Not podcast related, but um, um, Minecraft server related. But yeah, we used to have an IRC server that bridged into the game server. And we all were IRC people. And we recently moved to Mumble um, Discord because everyone else was on Discord. But we still have a Mumble room. Right and yeah, the conversation of well, we've got people who already know how Mumble works can easily diagnose or discuss with the pers- person how to get them into Mumble. It's and we've a... got yeah all the documentation, and it's yeah the question of do we really want to just move all the way to right? Mo- to it's it's a bit the network the effect school. though, isn't it? Because it's got a network oh, yeah. effect. There's, There's also a... like a lot of stuff built into Discord by default that in some cases requires the beta version of Mumble to use. You know, one of the like, things... for example, controlling uh, volume of individual users is built into Discord. <laughs> exactly. Whereas if you want to do that in Mumble, it requires you to have the beta version. Not only is it built into Discord, but the UI to use it is simple enough that I could do it on the fly while I'm saying these very very words right now, and I can adjust people without having to go up. Uh, 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 okay. You know, so that's a, that also wins too. The UI not only is it great for guests, but it wins on tweaking volume. And just one other UI thing that's kind of nice is if you think about it as somebody who's never been in the Jupiter Broadcasting community ever, and they're landing here for the very first time. When you open up Discord, one of the things that I think is sort of nice and helpful is the hosts are broken out and color coded. Patrons are broken out and color-coded, bots are broken out and color-coded, and people with ultimate admin power are broken out and color-coded. So you, you immediately know who's who. Like, it's not, you, there's not, like, ambiguity, like, who is DVL? Who's DVL? Well, oh, now you know. Oh, that's Dan from TechSnap. That's Dan. Oh, shit, that's Dan from TechSnap. Like, it's, it's, it's more friendly in terms of just the layout and the way it looks and the way people are broken out into groups. It makes it understandable for somebody who's coming to this community for the first time ever. And uh, which could be a, a more and more thing on Discord because of that network effect. Proprietary software being prettier than free software. Who knew? Yeah. Is this, this is why I'm talking about it because exactly that, Popey. Like this is a freaking classic problem that we have now. It is like it is the problem of our time with hosted services and all of these sons of bitches really are is. running on Linux. 
They're all using Linux on the back end. It's really interesting because it's using Linux to create services that eventually get a big enough user base that they get profitable. But they start with like this crazy venture funding structure. They have uh, they have Nitro, which you can get for uh, Discord if you want to give them five bucks a month, basically, or four bucks a month. Uh, it, they but, also announced they're going to add premium plugins in the future. Uh, but everything currently, oh, hmm. they've stated everything currently that is free will stay free. There's definitely some features in there that are nice for us. Like there's there's integration with things like OBS that are nice for us, and there's there's moderating features that are nice for us. Like one of the things that I've always kind of wanted is I'd like to be able to review a log because a lot of times somebody comes to me and they say, uh, hey, so-and-so kicked me for no good reason. And so this has a really good audit log so I can see what's nice. been going on yeah. just on that end of the community, which is something I don't generally get oversight over. Uh, and so that's that's pleasant. But there's other things in there, too, about the way the notification structure works. It has a mode for when we're on the live stream like we are right now where we can just immediately turn off all notifications, which is really nice. Oh, and then the last thing, and then we'll get off this. And this is, again, going back. This is a classic ver- open source solution versus hosted solution. Dynamite mobile app works great on tablets because I loaded it on all my kids' tablets because they have a little private server with them and Noah's kids. And... Uh, just Dynamite app. Just really good app. Works well. Respects my D&D preferences. All that kind of stuff. And that's always a problem. Like Rocket Chat. There's several Rocket Chat clients. There's several Mattermost clients. None of them are quite as good as Slack's client. And the same with, same with uh, Discord. Like there's, there's several Mumble clients for mobile. Not really on iOS. But there's some. There's like one, I think. Uh, and boy, is it ass. It really is ass. And, uh, of course, Discord's great. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we've heard from the community, and I think this is, a, this is something, just like when open source projects move to GitHub and GitLab, they get more contributors. When we moved to Telegram, we got more members of the community because one of the things I've heard is I'm on my phone. And when I have time to re- respond and interact, I'm on my phone. I don't, I'm not at a computer. And so that's why Telegram works so good for me. And so we've 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 heard from people on Telegram that we don't normally hear from, because that's their that's their that's the tool they use when they have downtime. Is they fire up Telegram and they chat with folks to kill a few minutes, and now they're able to participate in Telegram. They were never participating before in IRC or in the comments or anywhere else. I suppose the the main issue is how many, how often do we have people on Mumble that are free software only? Well, there's a good portion, I think. Um, I, mean, and, I know there's a few for sure, but I don't know. Like, I think the, Mumble's a great as far tool as the, too. Though. That's the other thing. It's like it's like Mumble's pretty stable and reliable. Once mm-hmm. you have it set up and you have a certificate and you have all that, so it's kind of it's harder to justify replacing Mumble. Yeah, I feel it, like yeah. it does have the but, best audio quality out of all of them too. Yeah, I think it sounds pretty yeah. good, and it's also a lot more efficient with detecting voice or not. Although I'll give you a, where Discord wins is I do like that they're using Opus, but where they also in the UI department again is they give you a cellular signal like equivalent. You get three green oh, bars nice. or red yeah. bars. You hover it over it. It tells you what your ping is. You can click a little Im- info button and you actually get like a chart of your average response time of how your connection's been doing. It tells you the ping rate to the different servers you're connected to. It really and it's something we've already used it in testing when we were when we were troubleshooting with Noah. We're mm-hmm. like, all right, what are these numbers? And we immediately know what to expect. And within I don't know thirty seconds, Beard moved us over to an East Coast server because it's just you go up their settings, move to East Coast, and resolve the issue. Wow! And it was really mm-hmm. handy because it was just here's the information. It was really easy for him to understand, even though it was the first time he'd ever even opened it, or second time he'd ever even opened up Discord. 
that kind of stuff, Mumble doesn't do so well on. But yeah, once you get it set up, by making a server, it says what's what, what region do you want to put your server yeah. in and stuff like that. I could also see like for productions like this show sticking with Mumble, and then for productions like a special one-off version of Coda Radio or Unfilter using Discord for that. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, hey, we're going to pull in a few people and we're, we're recording a holiday episode and thought we'd have the audience join us. Where you don't I normally think... have a structure and you don't normally have people showing up every Tuesday. That might be like the more impromptu voice shows. Maybe that might be Discord. Sorry, what were you going to say, Michael? I was just saying, I think Mumble is a, is a great software. It's just, it's the uh, the luxuries that Discord provides is what makes Discord the current market share of most uh most communities that are voice-based kind of stuff. Like, uh, even um, TeamSpeak is losing a lot of its market share to Discord. Yeah, it's growing. It's growing crazy because it's, it's, you know, a lot of things that people have been building different systems to do in one. You know, I just thought of one thing that Mumble does that Discord doesn't that is critical to the show. I don't think Discord can do sub-voice channels like Mumble does where we have, like, no. the, the on-air channel. And no. the oh, yeah. By the no, restricted casting and, yeah. like, the mic check. Yeah, it but it do does it does do UI. I guess we could have like a we could have different rooms, but um, it does do yeah. it does do UI feedback. Like if you don't have any mic level coming in and stuff like that, mm-hmm. so it does walk the well, user through resolving. The, the only issue. limitation that uh, based on that point, the only limitation of not being able to sub the ACLs and Mumble allow you to be inside the join queue and still listen to the show while oh, you're yeah. waiting. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Discord, you wouldn't be able to hear anything. Yeah. See, I think maybe we would keep Mumble for unplugged. Yep. And then Discord would be like, <clears throat> "All right, well, in fifteen minutes, uh, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have a show where we want the audience, and we get like ten, fifteen people all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. That might be, yeah, yeah. Because really, it's 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 such it's just solid software once you get it set up. And you know, we've got the Mumble server running on DigitalOcean, right. so it's and the the ping time's ridiculously low <laughs> for the studio. It's like we have like a thirty six ping. It's just wonderful. We also should probably create an announcements channel so we can do like at everyone, and just they'll get a push notification on their phone when we're like live or something." Oh. oh, so like, uh, do people leave the notifications turned on? Is that something people do? I do. Uh, actually, if you're a big, if you're, there's a suggestion by the Discord team. If you're a big server, you should not even do that. You should server wide turn off notifications, except for at mentions. Hmm. Because there's times where people will jump in, and the more people you get, the more annoying it is to people <laughs> who've never used Discord before. So you're kind of like preemptively doing that for them. Well, the idea would be to have a a channel that only we could post in. Yeah. Only mods and role, whatever has the role to, yeah. s- to do it. And, and at everyone is a, is a mention to anyone. Yep. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the other way it's set up currently, you can also, you can at mention like you can at mention groups. So like, yeah, mm-hmm. well, this is something we're just going to play with. And you know, right now we've got uh, just a handful of people in there because we've just been experimenting. We, like I said earlier, we launched it with our patrons first and then sort of, Scale it out. Scale it. Oh man, we gotta go. Jeez. Oh, okay. So we gotta talk about the Slackware challenge. Yeah. And then we'll then we'll then we'll scoot. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Go there to support the show and sign up for a free seven day trial. It's a platform built by Linux lovers for Linux users and lovers like us. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged support show and seven day free trial. Go there. Try it out and sign up and check out their self-paced in-depth video courses on every dang Linux cloud and DevOps topic. And I really love the hands-on labs because this is where you get scenario-based stuff over an SSH connection and you really know what you're working with. So when you go do it in production, 
you feel like you've already done it before. And if you ever get stuck along your path to excellent learning, they have instructor mentoring standing by, full-time human instructors who also love Linux, and they're there to answer your questions. That's, that's such a deep benefit to Linux Academy and something pretty much no other platform has. It's, that's huge. Also, you know what else? Just thinking about what no other platform has? The community. Such a vibrant, active community full of Jupyter Broadcasting members. And that's nice because there's certain functionality inside Linux Academy, some of the courseware that can be iterated upon by the community. And so when you have a good, vibrant community like that, it means that the content's getting better constantly. And they turn that investment around into their infrastructure, into their courseware, and into their instructors. It really shows. And as a Linux Academy subscriber now for years, I still find value out of it. Even when I'm just sort of toying around with the concept, it's nice to be able to go in and get a real grasp from the basics all the way up to what the high-end stuff is. And if you're looking for certs, I definitely recommend you check it out. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Unplugged program. linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Slackware challenge, Wes. I think here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Now here's I, okay. I got to tell you what I'm thinking. Are you ready for what I'm thinking? Here's what I'm thinking. By the way, what do you think? I'm thinking. I'm going to put it on one machine after this episode. I've already got the ISO downloaded. Oh, you're ahead of me. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I had I had an inside scoop thing. I kind of knew it was coming. And uh, I'm going to. I can't commit to switching to it immediately because I have unfiltered tomorrow, which requires like my whole rig. Um, but. I will put it on my XPS 13, which I've recently nice. been trying different distros on. And uh, I'll, I'll run it starting Thursday, full-time, I believe. I'll be able to run it full-time. So I'll work on it t- tonight and tomorrow to kind of get it like get it loaded up. So by Thursday, I'll be running it full-time, and I'll try to report back and share my experiences, what it was like to install some basic tools. We'll see. We'll see how far I get. Maybe I'll get all set and be like, ah, I'm not using this full-time. I may bail. I may bail in the pursuit, in the in the pursuit of uh, other tasks. I may have to bail. Is there anything but... you're really excited about, though? Well, um, it, it, it's the, as soon as I saw the website, it really it got me a little nostalgic. So there was that. That that sort of took me back a bit. Um, and then I uh, I almost went and just decided to put this off a week and order the uh, six CD set. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, and get like a actual like package. Um, but then I realized that none of my systems. None of my systems have a CD-ROM right You'll have now. to send them off to a kind viewer who will convert those to uh, yeah. USB or for you. Or I have you. to go, go grab like the extra like USB one that we have floating around here somewhere. So I just downloaded the torrent. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of excited. So mm-hmm. that felt old school. And it, one of the things that's really kind of fun is, uh, it, and also makes me feel nostalgic, is you can download uh, the individual disks. So like you used to have to do, you can download disk 1, disk 2, disk 3, disk 4, disk 5, and disk 6. If you want the source code, you don't need disk six if you don't want. And so, you know, during the install, it would be ejecting the disk and asking for the next disk. I miss that so much. I would never actually want to do it anymore. But I'd like the one chance to do it again. Legit, yeah, that would be sounds fun. fun. Uh, so I, I was tempted, but then realized that I don't even have the capability. So instead, I grabbed the quote unquote DVD ISO, which I will never be burning to a DVD. But it's cute that they call it that, which includes everything except, of course, the source code. Yeah. And uh, I'll be putting that on my XPS 13. Now, this is the uh, – I, I did not intend to. I guess I could change it. But I did accidentally grab the 32-bit version. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe I'll just go with that. Like, yeah. I'll just be old school and I'll embrace it. But uh, You know, you could get spin up and uh, do an install on a virtual machine and then have your, like, CD switching out fun, yeah. virtual fun. Yeah. So if you want to join me in this journey, 
I say uh, what I was thinking is if I can't run it as my full-time desktop, what I'm going to at least try to do is set it up for one specific task. Do that job or do that task. Have you decided what desktop you're going to run? No, no. I mean, I was probably going to go KDE, but I really hadn't given it a okay. time. I mean, we'll find out. What, would you, what are you going to do? Well, I, don't, I hadn't thought about it either. I really KDE don't like old be... GNOME. I really don't like old GNOME. Although you go too old on KDE, Plasma, and I'm not... God, I don't know. Wait, did you say plasma is the best? Yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Even old plasma? Even old plasma? <laughs> uh, well, wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that Slackware only has KD4? I don't actually remember. I, I well, had, if it only has KD4, then uh, Monte sounds good. Where do I go here? Oh, yeah, Monte would work. Yeah, you're right. I was actually, uh, Joe would probably love to hear this. I was actually thinking XFCE, but then the issue is, and here's why this could already be bad. Is that damn XPS 13 is high DPI? Oh. So what is Slackware going to do when I put it on a high DPI machine? What is Slackware going to do? I mean, I've got to go with the more modern. I've got to. So I got. I hope that it's using the current version of Plasma. Anyways, uh, I, I wish I could say more. I wish we had more time, but uh, we really should get going to make room for the TechSnap guys. Join us live next week, won't you? It's a lot of fun. You go over to jblive.tv, and if you do it on a Tuesday, you'll be here for the show. You just got to get the time right. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for that. Now, here's the great part. You tune in for the Unplugged show. You stick around. Guess what? Guess what comes next? Free extra show. TechSnap. That's the one. Bonus show with Wes and Dan. So uh, we invite you to also check out the Discord community and get involved in the Hair Care channel. That's what I'm testing out to see if that works as a consolidated feedback mechanism. And you can find a link to that, or it was discord.me slash... JupiterGani. There you go. Check out more of Popey over there on the Ubuntu podcast. New episode coming out soon. Check Ooh. out Wes on TechSnap, and he's at Wes Payne. Right? That's right. Check out Rika. Rika, where do you want them to check you out, Mr. Beard? Rec.net. R-E-K-D.net. Boom! I'm checking him out all I like over. it. Or Twitter.com slash LP. You bastard. You bastard. Thank you very much, too, to our virtual lug for being here. We hope you'll join us next week, and have a great week. See you then. Hot tip from Popey for those of you who missed out outside the U.S. on the XPS 13 giveaway. Those cats over at the Ubuntu podcast, I believe, are giving away an Interware Apollo soon. Are these rumors true, Popey? These rumors are true, Whoa! yes. We get episode goes out on Thursday, and it'll have all the details of how you can enter the contest. Uh, contest runs for about a month, uh, so it should be easy oh, for snap. everyone to find a bit of time to enter. Oh, snap. Very nice. JBTitles.com. Let's go pick our title, everybody. JBTitles.com. Anything now, jumping out at you? What about the Americans that want an enterware, though? I don't think they sell You're here. You're screwed. Yeah, they don't sell here. <laughs> No. Fight for the right to IRC. Oh, geez, that's funny. Uh, Discord like not that. ethical. The only problem is that will create a uh, that will create a movement to save IRC. Oh yeah. Reality is a service dragging the line. The Stallman line. That's not bad. The Stallman line's not bad. Have we used that before? Anybody want to double check I on think that? So. Uh, maximum uh, maximum electrolysis was mine, but now in retrospect, not as good as the Stallman line. Um, 
Chris switches to PSD. You no. try an architect. Dude, uh, you could you could put a, a picture of Stallman's face over that one scene in First Contact with Picard. Oh. <laughs> uh, so it turns out um, Alien Pastures from Slackbook says that Plasma 5 does work on Slackware. Cool. I'll find well, out. There we go. I will find out. So Fight for the Right to IRC is up there. Cut the Discord. Discord not ethical. And the Stallman line. Really? The Stallman line's not getting more love? Like, we talked, because it's not just about Discord. It's about, like, this is a common problem now in open. Mm-hmm. This is, this is it used to be, like, Linux or Windows. It's not that shit anymore. It's this now. This yeah. is what it is. We're using our uh, proprietary. We use Linux phones with proprietary apps to connect to yeah. proprietary services running yeah. on Linux. And we didn't even get into the fact that it's also, it touches on the electron electron debate, too. You didn't even get well, to that That's a fun little nugget for next week. Yeah. I'm kind of a fan of the uh, the title, Reality as a Service. Reality as a service is good too. I'll give it a boat. I'll give it a boat. The uh, the also the IRC thing is uh, there's really no reason to be for people to like like save IRC. IRC wouldn't die because the only issue would be Mumble as a situation because IRC has a bridge, so you, you could continue to use IRC and be indirectly connected to them in Discord chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Well, I'm told that uh, Stallman line's moving up now that I gave it some love. Nice. Last I'm minute told, promotion. I'm told that bridges are tacky and are only used by Minecraft servers and oh. should never be used for IRC. Tacky, huh? Wow. They are wrong. Wow. So I did see someone had had written a, a very minimal JavaScript app to forward messages between Discord and Mumble. Uh, they said there's no reason it shouldn't be able to work. So if anyone wants a project, seems like the voice. I've actually seen. I, I know of a bot I'm working on oh, with the Intergos channel team. We're doing. Uh, we have Telegram, Matrix, and IRC all connected, and are working on adding Discord into it too. Hmm. Nice. You should look at working with the. Um, what was it? The the matter something project Mattermost? no hang on i gotta look it up now <laughs> <laughs> oh beard uh ping well, we the, announced the Matrix bridge is the most impressive bridge i've seen for irc because it it, it makes irc users like react exactly like a matrix user in the matrix chat chat and also vice versa so like you have a full both you have a full power of both sides from either side Hey, uh, Rikai, you remember what episode we announced the winner of the XPS 13? Mm. Yeah, his name was Michael Tanell. I think it was the one <laughs> previous to the last one. Number 18? Yeah. Rikai tricked you because he didn't put it in the uh, the time. So a lot of people have been like, I listened to that episode and I haven't heard it. And it's like, ah, you didn't. You just looked at the time codes. That's what you did. <laughs> All right, we got we to gotta run because the TechSnap guys got to start. But I think, let's go check. Our, our winner is the Stallman line, which I think is a good, solid title. So that, that's actually Wes's. Hey, yo. Congrats, so Wes. A wonderful line by Mr. Popey. Hey, thank you, everybody in the Mama Room for being here, guys. You guys, like, uh, crushed it today. Like, what's, what's the term? You smashed it? What is it? Like, you smashed right it? Right out of the ballpark. You guys smashed that, that like button. You guys smashed <laughs> that mumble button today. Thank you, really. Uh, uh, smash that to push to talk. Oh, wow. <laughs> I did it. Real quick, the name of the... the uh, Software is Matterbridge. It bridges IRC, Gitter, XMPP, Slack, Discord, Telegram, Rocket Chat, Hip, Hip Chat, Steam, and Matrix with the Holy rest API. Yikes.